You don't know me. No, how I earn a living. I'll record this pod for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. It's a good movie. Not like reviewing a shit or a new it's spooky. This movie swallow a hole. No shaking. No tenderizing. And you go. We gotta do it quick. That'll bring back your regular show, put your sandwiches on a usual schedule. But it's not gonna be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than three-star reviews, Chief. I record for three, but I edit and release it for five. But you gotta make up your minds. You wanna join the Facebook, Instagram, then sign up. You wanna play it off the radar, be confused every week. I do want volunteers. I do want mates. There's not enough on this island. Five-star reviews for me and my co-host. For that, you get the bread, the filling, the whole damn thing. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Wow, horror sandwiches, I hear you say. Well, this is the hundredth one that we've made. Uh, and it's actually a very, very large sandwich because we're bringing you this week the filling. Um, so far, I haven't told you what horror sandwiches, but we're a hundred in. We're a hundred in, Matthew. I'm Mark. This is Matthew. How do you feel? Well, I, I don't know. I feel a little bit. Weird now that you've said it. Is this, is this the hundredth horror sandwich? Mm. No, it was not really, is it? Because we did two slices. I mean, to my maths, it's the ninety eighth sandwich. It's the hundredth episode. Yeah. Um, have we gone wrong somewhere? Have we have we slipped up? Have we slipped tripped? It's a hundred episodes. We're we're a hundred episodes, and, and by now you should know what a horror sandwich is. Yeah, and if you don't, and you're brand new here, apologies. It's, and then, uh, don't worry about it. We made it up. Yeah, we made it up. It's it's not it's not a real sandwich, so you can just enjoy the delicious voices of two blokes. I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at now. Um Sexy Ed- blokes. Oh yeah. Well trying a new thing for the next hundred episodes. What? Were well, we gonna be sexy for the next one hundred episodes? Sexy blokes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We could be. We could maybe uh get gravelier voices. You know, we could do. Um, I could try. Well, and speak well it is more like that. Stick, stick the episode through an AI filter. Well, it goes through one anyway. Maybe so. Luther Vandross. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it just for you. And I'm sure the listeners want a bit of that as well. Uh, or not. We started off rambling almost straight away. Um, I've got something to tell you. Something to sell you on. 
Uh, it's, okay. Well, it's completely irrelevant to horror movies, but relevant to the podcast because we've talked in the past about if you remember, you enjoy, we both enjoyed the game Power Wash Simulator. We we did very much. So, I think I know what you're going to say now. Oh, I are, are you? Well, actually, it could go one of two ways because there is the new Back to the Future uh, pack for Power Wash Simulator. Wow. No, I've I've... cleaned the DeLorean, the the clock tower, the train. I don't want to clean the cinema from the second one with Jaws 19. Oh, that is lovely. Yeah. No, I'm Uh, actually... Or you're going to go for a different game, which could be... Uh, maybe House Flipper. It is House Flipper, yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, uh, if you have you already played it then? I played it like very briefly. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting to get stuck into it a bit more. Uh, but it does feel it feels a bit like a busman's holiday because I have been doing my own house up. Yeah, I I've, I've been playing it almost like to the point of you know, non-stoppedness, um, you know, where I should be doing other things. Um, and I'm like, I'm decorating houses and doing all this stuff, you know, cleaning up trash. And, and I'm like, I, I, I hate doing this in normal life. And yet here I am. Um, yeah, so far, I've gutted the uh, the building that they give you for your office. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've given it a, a lovely coat of blue paint. Uh so it's it's gonna it's going to remain an office. I'm not going to turn it into a house. I think I I I have kept the original building, um, but only because I haven't made enough money to be able to buy a new office, but then um, move on to bigger and better things. Anyway, so there you go, everyone. House flipper. If you enjoyed Power Watch Simulator, based on our uh, what is it? Then yeah, house flipper. Yeah, uh, I am. I am nervous with it, though. I must uh, You think it might grab you? But me and the other half, we have a. When when it comes to the house, we have a relationship like the government and the civil service. You know, she she decides everything, and then I just have to work it out and do it. That's mm. fair enough. Yeah, so, going uh, to play house flipper and just do the most awful houses, and she's just going to be very much proved right and and lord it over me. Oh no. Well, I, I would say, uh, well, I've no idea if, if what I'm making is any good. Um, but I'm enjoying smashing walls down. That's something that you get to later on, smashing walls and, you know, just redoing the whole thing. What a treat. Um, anyway, we're here for 100 episodes. We're here for 100 episodes, episode 100. And many, many moons ago, when I was but a young man, or maybe about a year ago, um, I said, oh, if we ever get to 100 episodes, we'll do Jaws. And here we are, 100 episodes, and we're doing Jaws. Um, it's all filling this week. We're just going to essentially talk about Jaws. Um, we'll do our I best. mean, you say we. I'm I'm on a listening brief this week. You're, you're, you're just going to be going off on one, and I'm going to be <laughs> audibly nodding. Well, I'm hoping, uh, hopefully that's not the case, because, um, you, you know, when you sit down and go, hmm, what have I got to say about this film apart from I love it and it's great? Uh, <laughs> so we'll get there. We're going to get into it. So let's get into the 
the start, the, the, the little specifics of it. So we've got Jaws, uh, made in 1975, based on uh, Peter Benchley's book in 1974. Uh, first book for Peter Benchley, um, and it was quickly picked up, I think, by Universal and um, the rights to the movie. And while they were making the movie, the book went into the New York Times bestseller. Um 1975, a young director came along, Steven Spielberg, and they gave him a job to say, look, come on, have a little go at this. Essentially what they were plotting to be a B-movie. Um, and, uh, well, he had a crack at it, didn't he? <laughs> so uh, am I right in thinking that this was the second film that Spielberg made? I believe so. The first film was Duel. Yeah, I can't remember if that if it was the the one was released before the other, uh, but they were made out of order or something. I, I can't remember the specifics of it. Um, I think that Jewel was released but not made popular until much later on because it was a it was a TV movie, I believe. Yeah, um, it was it was a TV movie that was so popular that they ended up putting it in theaters. Yeah, I that's remember right. That much of it. Yeah, uh, which is, is right because Jewel's fantastic. Like, it, I mean, it's Spielberg, it's not hardly breaking new ground, is it, saying that? <laughs> no, but it is. It's really, really good. It's, um, there's there's a whole, well, I reckon we'll get to Jewel one day because that's, um, that's essentially, well, I don't know, it maybe might be more horror than Jaws is, but, um, I don't know. We'll get to it though. We'll get there. Um, I think he'd also directed an episode of Columbo, maybe or something. Yeah, he did do he did do some TV work. Yeah, uh, before Jaws. Uh, if you if you've seen the Fablemans, you, you'd know that he was sort of hanging around the lots and things, doing you know, doing making his short films. Yeah, he was. Uh, um... So he had done some work to get his name about to be given the feature. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, as I understand it, the stories of this go that I think uh, essentially they were really only expecting a sort of B-movie, well, to to, to a degree, a sort of dual-level movie, which, um, despite being good, wasn't like, um, you know, I don't think it was overly expensive or anything like that, so... Um, yeah, so this movie stars Roy Scheider as Chief Martin Brody, Robert Shaw as Quint, uh, no first name. Although when they brought out, recently they brought out a figure, I don't know if it was a Necker figure or something, that, and he was called Sam Quint, but he's never named in this. Um, Richard Dreyfus as Matt Hooper, and... The only other person really is Lorraine uh, Gary as um, Alan Brody. Those are the main. Those are the main. Well, no, I tell a lie. I forgot the mayor. Who, oh, I was just about to call you out then for that. Yeah, I, the name of the mayor is Larry, of course. Oh, Murray Hamilton. How could I forget that? Um, yes, I'd say those are the main players, really. Um, yeah, that's. that's- that's your lot. That's uh, yeah. That's your main cast, isn't it? It is. It is. I should give a shout out, really, to um, 
Jeffrey Kramer, who played Hendrix, mostly based on the fact that um, those comic books we talked about, or I told you about at least. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that were shared in the group. Uh, some lovely artwork there. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I've shared it on our Instagram as well. Um, I've been good on Instagram lately. I've been a good boy. and You have. And tried to pay attention and actually got followers and all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good boy. Um, I've gone off track. Don't worry, everyone. That This episode will be very much me going off track. Um, right. And I just jump in then while we're go. doing these bits. Uh, have you read the book? Yes. Right. Who uh, said, so did they call Quint Sam in that one? No, not as far as I know. Um, no. But right, so I, I haven't read the book. So right. that that's going to be, have to be something that where those points of differences are, uh, if there is anything that's worthwhile coming up. Um. Yeah. Okay. I'll try and dip, I'll try and dip into that where where I can. I think. Um, yeah. Look. No worries. Um. Now I've got it as having a nine million dollar budget, and um, essentially it made four hundred seventy six point five million. Um, and is, well, they say it's responsible for what today is called the summer blockbuster, um, which I don't know why they say, because I believe that is the case. (laughs) Right. So yeah, it's something that I've kind of always taken on bridge with. Mm, Okay. Uh, well, well, obviously there's no dispute that Jaws was the first summer blockbuster, you know, right. You know the, the huge film that got steam all across the US, uh, but it, it's it feels to me like it's one of those things where technology has dictated the path, and that you know uh, it was the natural way that films were going to be distributed. Yes, you know the same way that when the internet came along, that films were going to be distributed directly into people's homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wouldn't, I mean, probably it didn't make all that much of a splash, but no one would really claim that Beasts of No Nation invented home release movies. Uh, because it you know, it was something that was, it was kind of always going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. Same with uh, day and date releases as well. And I think the way that your know, technology has dictated, it's... Put a case for for me anyway with Jaws and its uh, position as the first summer blockbuster is that it's the perfect film at the perfect time for it. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's more a case of this is a thing that uh, that shows the possibility of it rather than you know uh, some marketing genius somewhere's gone out and put this thing together, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it was one of the first movies to get TV spots before, you know, before it was released and stuff like that. So people were getting, you know, instead of just seeing a trailer at the cinema or on a VHS, it was getting on TV. So, you know, the excitement was created and... um I believe there there were some really good marketing things in this, um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be 
not necessarily quoting directly, but talking about a lot of things I've heard from the excellent documentary, uh, The Shark is Still Working. Um, and one of the things that they did with this is actually put it in less theatres than they were originally going to because um, they knew it was going to be, or at least they'd seen that it was going to be um, popular. So, of course, they made it seem more popular or at least created a queue situation so people were like, oh, I've got to get and see this. So, yeah, um, definitely very well marketed. But uh, as you say, I think that's sort of the movie industry just sort of it moved at the right time, didn't it? For the, for the yeah, right time, uh, exactly, um... as you said. Yeah, it's that thing where, you know, more reels can be printed off. And, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, God, it's probably, it's probably about 20 years ago now. Uh, but I think it was, uh, Star Wars episode two. Right. My dad was like really shocked to hear that they were releasing it all over the world on the same day. Right. <laughs> A world where that had, but when that's another example of distribution being able to to meet demand, you know, and, and for for films to be able to get everywhere where they need to go. And Jaws was kind of like a rudimentary version of this in that it was a lot of prints were able to go to a lot of locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, widespread as it would eventually become. Uh, I still think they did it as kind of a pun intended wave across the US. <laughs> but it was still more more widespread than uh it would it would normally have been for you know for the other they uh blockbuster releases but they weren't really a thing were they as we just said. Yeah. Yeah, but other big big releases around on the time. Yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of movies from that time. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a sort of legacy movie. It's paved it's paved its way to, you know, I think creating. I think a lot of what the fu- the future of movies w- would become. You know, this is this is. Jaws became bigger than itself, didn't it? It was it was bigger than just the movie. It was recognizable outside of um, outside of the movie. People knew what that picture was. You know, there was a ride, and uh, what was it? It became merchandise. And I think uh, I was definitely not the first movie to do that, but it's certainly the first movie I think to really grab hold of that and change the face of 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 all that stuff. You know, it's. Um, yeah, as I say, bigger than itself. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was probably about uh, probably about seven or so. I used to go to uh, swimming lessons on say Tuesday after school, and the swimming baths that we went to, uh, we did our lessons. Then you were still allowed to go in the pool before and after as you mm-hmm. were because you'd already paid to do the lesson. And it was a pool called Wavelengths, and it had a wave machine in there. Oh, cool. Before they played it, they played the Jaws music. Nice. And I'd never seen Jaws at that age. I knew it was the Jaws music. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Certainly bigger than itself. The level that it transcended. 
Mm. Also, very scary when you're seven year old and uh, <laughs> they, they play that music because there's a big for the wave machine. There's this big gap at the the bottom of where it is uh, at one end. You know where they put the wave through, uh, and it, it really did just feel like they were releasing a shark into the pool. At that point, it was it was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny that. Um... Not only that, but this film created that legacy as well. It's created a legacy of people scared to go in the water. You know, you only have to go in the sea and uh, to to the point where you can't see below you, and that and that's it. And that's been created essentially by Jaws. I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. People knew what sharks were, but. There's, there's so many people I was in this debate with someone at work and they had to agree with me that, you know, when you look down and you can't see below you, that music kicks in in your brain whether you like it or not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't like, I don't think it's necessarily created that fear as Jaws, but it has given that fear an image. Yeah. You know, that, that what would possibly have, have in the past just being fear of the unknown you know they could be anything down there it's gone it's it's a shark you know it's yeah it's yeah. put that one specific image in everyone's mind mm. yeah well what are the points i was going to bring up and it, this seems like the the right the right time to say it, in fact that um it by the end of his career i think in the last decade of his career peter benchley had become quite um sort of upset that ultimately Jaws had created a sort of anti-shark message and actually spent the last sort of 10 years of his life doing uh, non-fiction books and um, investing in shark, but basically preservation, um, you know, and that was what he was, that was what he was getting really well known for towards the end of his, um, you know, the end of his, yeah, career, uh, the end of his career. So... It's one of those things I think is quite nice in a way because I mean, you know, stories like this are always written, aren't they? About all manner of different things and mm -hmm. and you know, oftentimes you know we're we're right to fear things in a certain way, but not you know not always. And you know, I, I don't think that I've ever thought that sharks were a menace because of Jaws. You know, I've always kind of just got the idea that they are, uh, you know, that they're just animals, but they are potentially dangerous animals. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's it's quite nice that that message has been, has, has been tried to put out, even though, well, I mean, you know, I can't, you can't blame anyone involved with this for creating that fear can you it's no you, you certainly can't it, but it was it's kind of just a runaway isn't it so it's an unfortunate consequence uh i don't think anyone's ever in the making of this set out to have gone you know what sharks are bastards aren't they let's get them you know <laughs> yeah i i i don't no, i mean it, it, it it's little based on you know bigger things in the world but like a lot of other stuff as we've as time's moved on we've learned more and you know hopefully people are smart enough to realize that they've never 
almost never going to get eaten by a shark. In fact, I think statistically you're more likely to be killed by a vending machine than a shark. Um, yeah, which is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's fun. So um, I suppose we should get into this actual movie, though. Um, yeah. Let's yeah, I, I would say probably just just the one last bit of the the outside oh, on, the, the movie. Uh, movie saying that he's taken on, but it's also launched the career of Steven Spielberg. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I don't think we can. You know, if if, if this film wasn't a success, I wouldn't want to imagine what cinema would look like now without, uh, because without. Spielberg, we don't get Jurassic Park, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. We don't get Indiana Jones. We don't get uh, you know Catch Me If You Can, Schindler's List. I mean, just just any amazing Spielberg film. Yeah, so, yeah, and and I mean, and, if and anything, that's the scariest part of Jaws is how came how close we could have come to to missing out on all of that. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's an argument to be said that without Jaws, not just Spielberg movies, I think I wonder if I wonder if Star Wars would have gone the way that it went if if it hadn't been for Jaws and stuff like that. It's interesting. Quite quite possible, yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- there is no doubt about it. It is for that reason alone one of the most important films ever. Excellent. And is it the first Oscar-winning one that we've done? I can't remember. Oscar winner in, in what sense? Well, it, this, this movie's won, won Oscars, hasn't it? And I can't remember if we've um, covered any no, other Get Out Oscars. won an Oscar. Oh, of course it did, yes. Yeah. Apologies. Apologies to Get Out. Yes, it did win an Oscar, yeah. yeah. Did Jaws win for Best Picture? It did not. It was only nominated, in fact. Nominated, won- right. Best original score, best sound mixing, and best film editing. Um, right. And I believe, as I understand it, I think Spielberg was completely snub in terms of wasn't even nominated for director. Um, yeah, they do stupid stuff like that, don't they, the Academy? <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, right. Let's get into it then. Um, so it starts off strong. Jaws starts off strong. Um, with we get that music and we get the sort of um, it's sort of like traveling through the water, really, isn't it? The sort of shark POV, I guess. Um, and then the thing is, I know that I know this movie so off by heart. I can even do the out of tune harmonica bit when it gets onto the beach. Um, but yeah, so um. Chrissy goes night swimming and the shark attacks. Now, one of the, obviously the one of the facts that if you know Jaws, you know this that they they couldn't get that they couldn't get the shark to work. So Spielberg had to work with what he had, which was essentially John Williams created that amazing score that only. Well, it, it tells you when the shark is there, which is brilliant. Um, and it's, you know, fair play, incredibly well acted. It It's still 
if I see it on the cinema, maybe not at home, but if I see it on the cinema, that scene always gives me chills because she really is screaming for her life. Um, and panic, it's just it's just an amazing opening scene. Um, and it is pretty much how the book opens. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into the book, actually. But yeah, that is pretty much how the book opens. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's much exactly what you want for for this kind of film, isn't it? It gives us some uh, instantly uh, relatable and likable characters, uh, but bumped off to show the danger of the shark. You know, yeah. it's, it's a blueprint that's that's been used time and again since because it's it works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know what I was going to say. No, I was going to say it, sometimes it surprises me that this movie is a PG just based on this first first attack, which I think is quite upsetting. Um, maybe not. <laughs> well, it was before, certainly in this country, it's before 12s were a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, was it? Was it Batman? I think they introduced the 12-4. Maybe. I think you are. Uh, first Spider-Man movie they introduced 12A for. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think Batman was the first 12, so that's 15 years or so before, uh, after Jaws. Yeah, approximately, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'm Not sure when the 15 certificate came in, so... I'm sure 15s uh, were around before I was, before I recall making, mov- making movies. That's right, when I was making movies... Uh, no, I was watching movies. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, oh man, I like, I really, I really don't know exactly what, what to say about the film because there's no, there's nothing about it that, you know, to me, it just flows fantastically. You know, from here on, we meet Roy Schneider's character, Roy Schneider, Schneider, Rob Schneider, sorry. Uh, Roy Schneider's character Brody, and the you know the great thing with that is you get just enough family dynamic to be in with the family. You've got a good idea of what's going on here. Um, I think you know if you want to talk changes from the books, then I think uh, in in the books, um. He's been there. He's been there quite a while, rather than it being his first summer. Um, so, but that's neither now nor something really. I think um, the movie's not trying to go down some of the really serious or more serious routes that the book goes down. Um, yeah, so they're good though, right? It's it's a good family dynamic. Um, yeah, I mean that's another thing that we've, uh, you know, you know that that's been implemented uh, so frequently by Spielberg, especially since is that family dynamic so important to so much of his filmmaking, uh, and it's, I mean, it's nice just to see those those early footprints of it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we can drag it back to when we watched Poltergeist recently, which. Had Spielberg's, yeah, very much so. Fingerprints all over. Et, it. another one that's yeah. very heavy with it. 
Uh, the, I mean, the Fablemans, uh, the new one, obviously. I haven't got around to that yet. I should, though, I suppose. Uh, I mean, it isn't long before... It, it, you're not long into the film before you get a second kill. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't take long. I think it's maybe 12, 16 minutes, something like that, before you hit again with, um, you know little Alex Kidney gets attacked by the raft and they have that spur of blood that comes out of the water and um, you know, yet again the shark not working, they just worked with what effects they had and it just works so perfectly um, it's again I, 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 again, I'll go back to, I'm, I'm never quite sure how this movie makes it into a, into a parental guidance because I think it's um you know, again, quite a quite a brutal scene, and uh, it also has that really iconic shot with uh, Brody, where um, let's see what they zoomed in while moving backwards or the other way around, which gives you that weird um, that weird shot. I can't remember exactly how it is. I think it is they zoom in on the camera but move the camera backwards at the same time. Yeah, good that. That's <laughs> so. I don't know about you, but I think that this film is kind of it's it's set up into like these little uh, segments or scenes, if you will. But uh, essentially, but yeah, it, it feels more like movements. I would say. Mm-hmm. So we've got all the the bits in the beginning with the kills and the shark, and that to me feels like our little horror bit. Uh, and then you kind of get the, the, the sort of the political wranglings and machinations and, uh, you know, you get like the shark hunt and stuff, don't you? Those mm-hmm. bits. And then you get like the, uh, you know, the adventure aspect of it later on. You know, when we get the three men on the boat. Uh and then it's sort of bookended again by this this horror section with the shark attacking and uh the peril of the, the characters. Yeah. And I think it's like that to me is why I don't put it as my you know, as one of, of my best horrors. Right. Because why like Undisputedly, a work of of total and utter brilliance. I I see those bits, those bits branch off, and it, it doesn't give me that horror all the way through. Right. Yeah. I'll. It's you know, it's a five star movie. It's not necessarily like the the perfect horror movie for me. If you if you know what I'm saying, if I'm explaining myself at all. Yeah. No, I totally I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, and and the film that it reminded me most of watching it is, is Alien. Right. Uh, and I think the difference between the, the two is kind of, uh, you know, they're presented with similar problems, aren't they, in terms of uh, Alien, you've got weird life forms outside of it, weird life forms brought in, uh, you know, the, these political... Uh, and, and corporate messages being thrusted on the crew of the ship. 
mm-hmm. to have to basically act outside of their interests in order for this nameless, faceless corporation to get profits slash weapons slash, you know, whatever they're after in Alien. And from there, that point in Alien, it turns to horror. It turns to monster slasher stalker movie. Right, yeah. While Jaws sort of has that same problem, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's government not being able to afford the problems of that the shark's bringing. And it goes into this this adventure section from there. And that's that's the difficult to me as to what makes Jaws a brilliant movie. Uh and quite the monster movie. Uh for it for it to to be my top horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, I it does have two jump scares miles better than anything else, then, <laughs> <laughs> which I've completely ignored for the sake of trying to save my argument. Yeah, no, you, you, you're right. It's got some, it's got two amazing jump scares. Um, but no, yeah, you're right. I mean, a, a, a few years ago, I would have argued with you that this is that it wasn't a horror film. Um, and I think that part and parcel because I, you know, I might have been part of the, you know, as much as I loved horror, I would probably have been part of the horror is a lowbrow crowd, you know. Whereas, you know, this movie's once I sort of I think got round to the fact that actually, you know, this film's probably scared me more than any other film, and I think, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, let's face it, the shark doesn't look amazing, it. It still looks good, I think. I don't. I think people complain a lot about how the shark looks, but I think he looks pretty all right. Um, I think he looks good because of how it's used. Yeah, I think the yeah. there is, you know, you, you could have easily highlighted the flaws. Yeah, uh, but you know, they, they they did the right thing. They used the clever filmmaking and and they made it work. Mm. I think um, right. I think what we'll do from here is instead of um, just picking out scenes because everybody's seen Jaws, haven't they? We'll uh, We'll 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 talk around some of the some of the plot points. Like uh, for example, you know what we uh, really get here is this um, this idea that the the mayor himself will is refusing to um, close the beaches. He he as well as everybody else is, is is totally aware that there's a shark out there. Now, what I will say about this is. The book goes into more um, more stuff about, you know, the mayor and he's a bit of a dodgy guy. But it also tells, it goes into quite a lot of detail about how these sorts of um, towns survive. You know, something like, like Amity or, you know, wherever, they've got a sort of 12-week period. In a, in a year where they need to essentially make all their money to get through winter. So, you know, as much as as much as he is essentially the bad guy in this film, from a mayoral point of view, you can actually sort of see the point in that um, you know, shutting down the beaches and turning people away is um you know, 
going to leave people on welfare, you know, and it talks about in the in the book that if they sort of they bring this shark thing up and you know even if they get rid of it by having closed the beaches the the next year people still won't show up because of that um you know knowing that there was a knowing that there was going to be a shark there so there's a whole there's a whole deep thing that's i think you you can take from the you can take from the film but obviously in the book it's more it's more said and even in the book brody's more sort of like you know he does have the town's best interest at heart so he does you know talk to the newspaper people about whether you know whether it's even worth mentioning or you know so there is, there is this whole thing about how a town like that survives so it's as far as this movie's concerned it's um well it's not uh, it isn't it isn't black and white you can watch it however you want i think with this film you can you can you can you can take it really really deeply if you want to but i think you can also there's also a really really fun movie here too um it sort of depends what you want to get out of it um and i ask you a question then yeah okay what you just said because has this film taken on a different resonance to you after the pandemic You know what? I think maybe I think maybe it has. I think, um, but I, as I've got older as well, I think it's all just that. I think just seeing you do tend to see things from a different point of view. You know, it, yeah, because it, I, yeah, I have seen from living in uh, in in Britain as we do uh, that. Things like these, uh, in this case, the shark, or in our case, you know, the, the COVID pandemic, it, it highlights that, you know, lefty that I am, <laughs> that our lives uh, and the lives of, of people around us and people like us are not worth as much as corporate interests uh and while while the mayor in this is much more sympathetic as you explained because you know it's uh he he's dealing with something much more uh sort of, of local uh, and it's smaller but also higher stakes for the people involved you know i kind of just get flashbacks of things like eat out to help out <laughs> and it's you know uh, yeah. opportunity throughout, you know, a, a literal pandemic. You know, people were filling up hospitals and dying, and the the message was to to get out and be as normal as you can, uh, and and screw the consequences, screw the danger, and that has just made Jaws even you know all the more powerful now because it's. Yeah. It's right, you know. That's what <laughs> that's what happens in these situations, as we've seen now. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, based on what I've read in the book, I think Pete eventually had a really, really good understanding of small towns like this. Maybe he was from it. I should have done more reading on, but you know, he really understood what 
what he was doing with this, what would happen in a situation like this where, um, yeah, it was, it's all really, really good stuff. As I say in the book, it's a bit more, there's a bit more to it. Like, I think, I think the mayor's in with a mob a bit. So he's, you know, he's not wanting to have the place shut down, but, you know, you don't need that in this film. Uh, there's, there's a whole lot going on in, in, the movie manages to make all the characters incredibly likable. Um, whereas in the book, nobody really is. <laughs> um, yeah. The, oh, should the, we talk about our characters next then? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Cause, um, cause I mean, it's, it's the trio, isn't it? Like they, they, Like you, you, you could do, you could do everything in this film the exact same way as it's done. Yeah. But if you don't have that relationship between the three, you know, the three uh, leads and uh, and and you know the actors don't put in the performances that they do, they, this film, I wouldn't say it falls apart, but I, I just don't think it, it loses it, just a hell of a lot of spark. Yeah, it does, and it it heads it starts heading down the B movie that it was originally intended to be. You know, there's a lot of combinations at work here that that made this into a better movie than it should have been. And as you say, the 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 characters, the three of them, are just um, they just work so well. I mean, if I had a favorite movie character, Quinn would be probably my favorite movie character you know well he is i'll, I'll just say that I, I i don't know why i'm debating whether i'm allowed one or not <laughs> yeah and i mean the, the the incredible thing about about quint is that he's like robert shaw is he's so he's hamming it up so much and he, he's going super over the top mm-hmm. and but he he's doing it in such a way that he's filmed in such a way and he's reacted to in such a way that he just, he's so believable as just this, you know, village eccentric. Yeah. Uh, You know, the guy who's been out to sea one too many times or, you know, one day too long sort of thing. Yeah. And he's, you know, he, he just seems so unhinged but lovable at the same time and, but dangerous, also, just quirky. Yeah. But he also gives across the moment you see him and he shows up in the town meeting, you know, this is the guy. You know, as you say, you know, he's got all those things going for him, but you're like, oh, this is the guy. Um, this is the guy who's going to do the job. Um, I think, he, I think it's, it's because of those things, isn't it? Yeah. It you just, know, the, the, those work together. It's uh, he, 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 like I say, probably one of my favorite, um, potentially most quoted characters as well. Um, I often, if I do, if, if I'm right at work, I often say to people, don't you tell me my business again. Um, because that's the kind of person I am. And then, you know, the other thing as well is, is the, the drinking scene and he, you know, he tells the story of the sharks and, you know, from when he was in the Navy and it, you know, it, it puts all of those, uh, 
you know, all those eccentricities and your quirks that he has and throws them into just being hugely sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. And then that Indianapolis speech that he does in this movie, which I understand was written, um, but he sort of took it away and um, sort of rejigged it for himself. And Lorraine Gary said that a lot of the movie was like, um, not necessarily improvised, but there was certainly, they were a bit looser with scripts and stuff like that, just to make, you know, try and make things as not as natural as possible, which is good stuff. Um, but yeah, that Indianapolis speech is so, um, yeah, you almost hold your breath while he's telling that story. Um, it, it, it pulls everything from the room they've been having this good time and then it, the, the the room just just changes the atmosphere in the room changes and it's um yeah it, it it's really good um i came up i came up with a little not necessarily a theory but my brain my brain did something um you'd quite you quite like this because um <laughs> when I, I was watching this and um i was thinking about the fact that he that he's talking about the hiroshima bomb um, and then for some reason, I, I, I think of it now that I, that I was like cooking something in my head and I'm going, what, why, why am I thinking that's interesting? And it was almost like that dental plan, you know, <laughs> you're right. I did like that. Yeah. I thought it would. Um, and I, I don't know if anyone's come up with this theory before. I didn't look it up and it's not even really a theory so much as it, I suddenly thought it was very interesting that the Quint himself was involved in uh, delivering the Hiroshima bomb, which is probably one of the worst things that America's done, really. Well, probably is. Um, and he then essentially has to face some comeuppance for that on July 4th, which would be America's biggest celebration. I don't necessarily know if it is, but it's around that area. Um, I don't know if they were doing, if that was on purpose or whether I just, that's probably about as smart as my brain works anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's certainly uh true there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like, I feel like I probably should have been had more beans for this. Um, I just, for me, the whole thing, the whole thing just encompasses how it, how great the film is. I, I could literally sit here and talk to you about every single scene in the film, um, but you know that would be really boring for people to do. Um, what I did notice today, actually, is that. The moment that Quint gets attacked and eaten, there's no soundtrack over that. I never even noticed before. There's no music over it at all. It literally is just him screaming and fighting for his life. And I think people often make fun of it of the shark jumping up on the boat. And it probably is a little bit stupid, but that scene where he's being bitten and just fighting for his life, um, it's good stuff. Good stuff indeed. Um, 
But yeah, no music over it. You know, considering you've got John Williams about. Yeah, it's... You know, I think it's uh, something that I've never picked up on before. That So I think I'll have to go back and, and have a look. Or listen, rather. Mm. Hopefully I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll issue a, a fresh edit of the episode if it is. No, no, I'm sure. I'm sure I, I watched it. I've been watching it sort of over the past um, few days, which actually brings me to an apology I've got to make. This not Aram um, related or Jaws related, but I went back in on Lord of the Rings and it is actually all right. In fact, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, on behalf of, uh, of Peter Jackson, I, I accept your apology. Yeah. Um, I, I watched the extended editions, and I think I don't know if if having just a bit more to chew on was, was better for me, even though I traditionally hate really long films. Um, I like them, but I think they make a big error in Return of the King. But we're not, we won't talk about that. We'll talk about that. We're not on Okay, fair enough. Um, well, then I really think we should uh, we should we let's finish the movie conversation with the uh, with the the big old final victory with the uh, Chief Brody manages to uh, get that that air tank inside his got inside a old Jaws's gob. Bruce the shark. Um, the puppet was called Bruce. Did you know that? I imagine you did. Um, uh, now, now that you say it, I have heard it before. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And uh, named named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, um, it it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird like turnaround that they have on the boat where it's um. Quint, look, Quint is the one that we're like, oh, he knows what he's doing. Um, and then it moves around to Hooper and we go, oh, Hooper's going to save the day. And all the time with Brody, because he's, you know, he doesn't like the water or whatever, you know, you're sort of like, you know, he's there, but what is he going to do? But ultimately, he, I don't know that he overcomes his fear, but he certainly, um, certainly, steps up, saves the day, becomes, you know, the hero of the piece. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he is our, our main protagonist, isn't he? If you were to pick one lead of the film, it would be him. Yes, of course. Uh, so it you know, makes sense that that's what that's what he's been building toward, hasn't he, throughout the film? Hmm. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, and going back in circles, you know, the facts of the matter is that that Roy Scheider played him so well as being, you know, that character that you were totally that you're totally on board with Brody being this this chief of police who's not necessarily out of his depth, but um, you know, trying to learn the ropes around a sort of different type of job, and you know, you just really are on board with him as a character, um, you know. It's just uh, it, it's just great stuff, and then of course the thing explodes, and uh, it has a little dinosaur roar added in. If you did, if you didn't know that, <laughs> it's uh, 
In fact, it's the same. The, the shark makes the same noise that the trucking jewel does when that sort of dies as well. Um, does it really? Yeah, it does. Um, I like this. This is like a, a, a big trivia day for me. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I could talk forever about this film and... And truly, there are there are so many things from this that I haven't that I haven't said. Um, you know, the the guy who says, "Oh, what?" He's always been one of my favorites, and uh, you know, the scene itself where Brody's and his son are copying each other is so natural. It's um, well, actually, the the interesting thing about that is it was actually sort of natural um Roy Scheider had been sitting there and the kid was just copying what he was doing um and essentially once he noticed it he was like "Ooh, this would be good um so they sort of they sort of filmed something that had already been happening but it's such a sweet scene it's really it's really it's really nice and again sells you on the character of Brody but um I think we need to do it like a third episode on this. Oh, sorry, a second episode. Uh, with just you just telling me these little these little tidbits. <laughs> well, you could just go out to be quite honest with you, if you want if you want any more Jaws information, just you should just watch The Shark is Still Working. It's a really, really comprehensive documentary made up of bits from new stuff and our old documentaries. Um, you know, and it just it's just really is a fantastic uh thing. That was, I potentially want to say, put together by Robert Shaw's son. Maybe that might be wrong, so don't um, don't quote me on that. Because uh, I know Robert Shaw's son does do a a Jaws um, show, like a one man show. Um, I bet I can't remember what it's called. I think that's called The Shark is Still Working or The Shark's Not Working. I can't remember anyway. <laughs> um, I've, 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 I've gone off track. I've gone off track. But there's loads of Jaws stuff that you can uh, that you can go go out there and look, uh, look at. Um, I've got one, Memories from Martha's Vineyard, which is so good. And we should mention really Martha's Vineyard where it's filmed. As, it's just a fantastic location and... Uh, I know that they certainly. Um, I think they were they were pretty sick of the filming while it was there, but I think they've appreciated over the years how much business it's actually brought them. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Um, so let's have a look at what everybody else has said in the Facebook groups. Um, before we do with that. Tia, who's been on here for a while, sent me a message about Jaws, so I'll read that. Um, let's see. I first watched Jaws when I was about seven, and that early experience definitely gets the credit for my fear of sharks, which remains my biggest fear to this day. Despite this, Jaws is a film I have gone back to time and time again. It's one of my favorite films of all time, and definitely a strong contender for my favorite horror film. It's a film that scares me the most, but in the best way. The kind of scared that gets you every time, but it's total joy to experience. Just thinking about that opening scene makes my stomach turn. 
which just highlights what a work of art this film is. Absolutely beautiful filmmaking, a great story, superb, iconic characters, and of course, one of the best scores of all time. Perfection. Yeah. We should read these anyway. We should read these at the start instead of me rambling on. That would. I mean, it, yeah, people, you know, that, that do writing and, and leave comments are, are like without fail more succinct than and better phrase than anything we do. You're right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Facebook, where are we? Okay. Alistair has said, undoubtedly a classic. Camera work, music, acting, direction, suspenseful and funny. Uh, Chloe's put, I prefer Deep Blue Sea, to which I responded with Fry doing the um, squinty eyes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy about this comment. Uh, <laughs> presumably she only put that to wind me up though. Um, Maybe episode 200 will get to Deep Blue Sea. That's a good movie. Um, let's see. Matthew well, Logger, a great film. Like all classic scary films, you very rarely see the actual shark. Great camera work. Tammy said, before I watched this, which was surprisingly recently, I was told, remember, it isn't actually about a shark. I thought this was an odd comment at the time, but upon watching, especially post-COVID times, it was a really helpful comment, which is absolutely true. Great film. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that we, we, we touched on briefly, didn't we? And that, uh, yeah, yeah, the, I mean, the shark is, is, I mean, it's kind of just the MacGuffin for the piece, isn't it? You know, and the, it, it drives the events of, of what the film's doing rather than, yeah, necessarily being the, uh, the thing itself. It does. I mean, I still stand by what I was saying. I think, I think. This film is still why people look down while they're in the water. And, you know, like you said, I know that's the sort of fear of the unknown, but I certainly think that's definitely a shark thing. <laughs> um, and my sister put, uh, say, sorry, we're going to need a bigger boat. Now, I will um, I will forgive her that misquote. <laughs> <laughs> because the line is, you're going to need a bigger boat. But to be fair, it gets misquoted quite a lot. Um, so, um, anyway, there's a, there's a scary bit, you know, when it's coming, but it gets you every time. Still a classic film. I can, I can watch over again. And I think, uh, the scary bit she's talking about is, well, it's either Ben Gardner's head coming out of the boat, which I think is probably the scariest bit or the first time you get to see the shark. Yeah. I genuinely couldn't tell you which one of those two. That she's referring to that because it very uh, I, much could be either. I would go, I would suggest Ben Gardner's head because I think that's the one that really, really takes you by surprise. Um, you know, I'm circling back around to the film again now, but I, I really love the bit when the shark comes out for the first time. And when he goes back in and you, it's, um, you know, you're going to need a bigger boat. For some, for some reason, I really love that whole interaction. Like, for me, it's it it's it's stupidly well acted to the point where where when he walks in and says that Quint has this realization of like oh shit he's seen the shark, and the whole thing just comes together it's so naturally. It I really really enjoy that moment of the film and um, you know, 
again, like I say, it's essentially quotable for me. The, the whole, it must be a 20-footer, 25, three tons of him. Um, that whole that whole thing is just, um, it's just fantastic for me. But anyway, we're, I'm just going to, uh, I did ask some people to drop in some voice comments about either the film or just say something about our 100 uh, episodes. So I'm going to play those now. Hi guys, Peter here from the Movie Jewel podcast. Just wanted to send my congratulations to you both on your 100th episode, an epic milestone. And what better film to be doing than Jaws? Uh, so I spoke about this when I came on the podcast. Jaws, more often than not, I would say it has been my favourite film. And I just consider it absolutely perfect and an absolute masterpiece. It's got everything. Horror, comedy, adventure just absolutely everything that you can ask for so keep up the epic work that you're doing guys i will continue to listen and hopefully uh, get back on with you guys as well in the future i raise my can of lager and say to you here's to drinking with bow-legged women gentlemen these are my thoughts on jaws it's a masterpiece and it's not about a shark. I don't say that because of any particularly grand themes I want to refer to, but simply from a narrative perspective. Jaws is a film about a town that is terrorised by a shark. More thematically, it's a film about fear. Fear in so many forms. Fear of economic hardship. Fear of the ocean. Fear of the great big thing that wants to eat you. It's a film that I avoided seeing for quite a while, but when I did see it, I was glad I did because it was magnificent. I've seen it since then many times, and it never fails to impress. Jaws is a fitting entry in your 100th episode. You sick fucks. You listen to too many podcasts. Now, Ali, don't you blame the podcast. Podcasts don't make psychos. They just make cycles more creative. Congratulations on 100 episodes. It's the king of the pod, Ali, here. Uh, look forward to another 100 more. Take care, guys. Bye. Well, there you go, Matthew. So we've got Peter there from Movie Jewel. Um, Vincent. Yeah, always got a lot of time for Peter. Uh, big fan of his podcast as well. Yeah, me too. And he's definitely got the voice for podcasting. Oh, he's, yeah, it's like, Liquid melted gold. butter, isn't it? It's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Uh, we've got Vincent talking there about uh, Jaws. Now, we've already recorded an episode with him for Brightburn, which is coming out next week, and I suggest that you catch that episode because um, we really had a good time talking to him. Um, yeah, Vincent, uh, he knows his stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he knows more, Much more than we do. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Alistair, King of the Pod, thanks very much for uh, for that. It was I'm glad you went down the whole acting route. It was um, it was it was a delight, and I'm, you know, I think yeah, overdue for return. He he, longest since we've had on, hasn't? He? In fact, I actually wasn't here, was it, for the last time Alistair came on? So no, you it's been even longer for me when we did King Kong. We'll get him back. We'll get everyone back in the new year. Um, because we're gonna be we're gonna be heading into Christmas soon. Oh, that's exciting. Um, 
but since we're here and I've done all these gushing things before, and I think we'll uh, we'll just finish off by, you know, with the thank yous and all that stuff because, you know, when when I started this, you know, February, I guess it was last year. No, it wasn't last year, was it? It was the year before. What? Yeah, no, last year. Sorry. February <laughs> last year. Um, I wouldn't have expected to get this far. Uh, I wouldn't have expected to... I wouldn't have expected to have such a good episode with you that I knew that we would be able to have these conversations more often. So, you know, I've met amazing friends along the way including, you know, including yourself to the point where, you know, it's something that we share now. And, you know, so I thank you for that. Um, but I just, you know, thank everybody who listens. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes when I edit it that people listen to listen to it because um, <laughs> sometimes it's tripe, I think. <laughs> oh, no, I've gone, I, I, I've gone off. I, I, I've gone off. I've got to kill her, but um, no, it just, it's just, it, it's just amazing for over a hundred episodes. We've had some wonderful guests. We've had some amazing conversations. We've both watched films we've never seen and probably never would have dipped into, um, you know, Taylor, two sisters springs out straight away that I, I don't think, I don't think I ever would have thought about getting around to watching, but it was just, it was just marvelous. Wasn't it? Um, yeah. Did I say it was marvellous at the time? I can't remember. Um, I think we said it was a creative psychopath. I think so, yeah. Uh, but but all that stuff, you know, you brought me, let the right one, one in. So this has just expanded my knowledge of horror. It's expanded my movie knowledge because, you know, I spent this, this year watching as many films as possible just to sort of extend my brain. So I know I'm rambling now, but it doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, well, let me cut you off then, because I, I'd like to thank you, uh, first of all, on behalf of the listeners, because, like you say, people do listen to this, and you know you put a lot of work in to make sure that happens, so pat yourself on the back there, because uh, I can't do it all the Zoom. Uh, and, and yeah, thank you from me personally, because uh, as all of my friends know, there are, there are multiple times where I've gone, oh, I've got this great idea for a podcast and and you know xyz and and then just never bother to do it because that's that's how all this well i'd say usually always goes doesn't it mm-hmm. uh and yeah coming coming on as a guest here uh it was yeah it was a lot of fun and you know to, to be asked back was well it was good for the ego we'll get that straight away uh <laughs> But you you know that that I was joining something that already had structure and a format that was that was huge and you know it, it gave me something to the uh you, you know to to fulfil something that I'd have been wanting to do uh, already so that's yeah you you've done a lot for me uh, personally there as well so so thank you for that. Very gushing, isn't it today? So yeah, lovely. Well, thanks very much. You know, and, and thanks for that. I really appreciate it. Um, right. Well, we'll go then. 
we've 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 done it. We've done episode one hundred. Um, hopefully, it was to everyone's liking. Um, we talked a good bit about Jaws. I think I could have talked for hours and hours about it. Um, and if anyone wants to talk to our, about it for hours and hours, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's probably as well. It's going to be an, uh, another hundred episodes or so before we get sentimental again. So maybe fifty more. One hundred and fifty, we might get sentimental. I don't know. I was thinking we'd probably have to get to two hundred and fifty before it again because that's. Oh, really? Two hundred doesn't feel like the same sort of milestone. Yeah, one hundred and fifty more of these. Oh no, I just said I really like it. Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go. Let's go. All That's right. your sandwich. Just for all. Sandwich. Yeah. Good. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.